0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: to Fishnets and Philosophy, this is your host Bell Morrigan, and once again we are embarking on a journey into the question, why horror, where each week myself and a different guest try and unpack this fun and entertaining question. So before we jump into the discussion, I'm once again joined by a returning guest to the pod, Andrew Connor, so if you can just say a little bit about yourself, your connection to horror, and anything that you do in the horror world.
2: Hey, hi, Bill. Thanks for having me again. Um, so, myself, I host a podcast, um, Road to Nowhere, which is a kind of sci fi comic book and horror movie podcast. We discuss a, a separate movie for each kind of main topic, and we've just recently started a, a, new, a new kind of subsection of the podcast, uh, Direct to Nowhere, in which we get a guest on to pick a favourite director and discuss three movies from that director of the which are their three favorites is the kind of basic way to describe it (laughs) nice nice that sounds really cool and
1: i love Mm. that concept as well and i was saying it the last time as well but i just love the idea of see where things go by just like following the thread it's really cool Mm. and but yeah no thank you for coming back as well (laughs) and uh for this discussion, for this series, i like to keep kick each uh, conversation off with this first question because every horror fan has an answer to it, and I just love hearing the different films that people tell me. So for yourself, uh, what was the first horror film that you remember watching? And then a spin-off from that, because sometimes these answers are different. What's the horror film that made you a fan of the genre?
2: <clears throat> so the first one I'd remember watching is maybe more horror-adjacent it's the terminator which is one of my favorites of all time it's along the more kind of sci-fi is so as many people have said many times it's a kind of slasher horror uh, slasher sci-fi even um, it would have been when i was in my before i was 8 9 years old i used to always watch the terminator movies terminator 2 first, but um because that's more of a kind of family action movie in terms yeah. of the rest of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it would have been The Terminator. Um, and then maybe after that, it would have probably been Predator, which is probably a bit more horror-centric and a bit more violent as well, even though the original Terminator is quite a, a, a dark and graphic movie and um, quite violent. The Predator kind of took it to another level in terms of what I'd watched before, and I was kind of just hooked from then. Um In terms of the one that got me hooked, the first thing I really remember would have been getting a DVD player when I was maybe 12, 13 years old. so about the the kind of turn of the knots. And it was Stir of Echoes. Oh, interesting one. Have you seen Stir of Echoes? It's Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Yes.
1: Yes, it's a, it's a ghostly one as well if I remember yeah. it correctly. It could have been a while since I've seen it, but I think mm. I remember that one. But yeah, I I don't hear that one listed dropped that much <laughs> no. as a film. So good one.
2: <laughs> it's it's not great. It's okay, like but it's um it was a kind of around it was after uh the sixth sense. So it was one of these kind of wrap psychological uh horror type movies. Um we got it free with the DVD player, so right. that was why. Genuinely, <laughs> like it was just always there, like, and it was. But I, I, I've watched it since, and I still think it's a decent, decent attempt at maybe not being a great attempt at mm. a Shyamalan movie. It's not terrible, but it's not great. But it was one of the ones that because before that, I was always quite um scared and intimidated by horror. Like I remember going to mm. the the video store and seeing like the front cover of um things like it with tim curry in the front of it and just Mm. shit myself just even look at the video cover so that was my kind of gateway that was the one that got me the kind of foot in the door type of thing
1: no i love that and i love like you know the emphasis on like you know for like horror like you had almost like a a trepidatious entry into horror because i said Mm. things would scare you initially and i think that it's so fascinating the way that everyone lands in horror being a fan of it some people had like a parental figure or a sibling that was like their guiding hand kind of going you you, you kind of don't have a choice I'm introducing you to horror and yeah. <laughs> you're gonna like it or not mm-hmm. or it's the case where it's like an act of rebellion or it's like the case where someone gets scared really young and thinks I don't want to go back to horror but then ends up accidentally coming back into it through a film or something like that so I love mm-hmm. how everyone has their own entry into it. But one of the things that you said there actually leans into one of the questions that I'm always interested in asking. You said that, you know, Terminator was the kind of the first one you remember watching and it's like horror adjacent. So for yourself, when it comes to like watching like films and horror films specifically, like, do you have like kind of personal kind of criteria or like hard lines in the sand that on one side it's horror, on another it's not? Or for you, is it more kind of like fluid and flux dependent on the film?
2: I think it's very fluid. It's very individual. Um, for me, something like Pan's Labyrinth, I would say, would be a horror movie mm-hmm. um, because the imagery in it is very horrific. There's a lot of um, grim violence set around the kind of Franco-era Spain. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be ghouls and goblins that yeah. make something a horror movie. Um, Everyone gets scared by different things. Like... People would watch, like, I can watch Sleepy Hollow and see it as a kind of weird gothic comedy. Mm. Someone else (laughs) might watch that and see it as being really terrifying and really horrific. So, I don't have a personal criteria. Like um, I mean, you could watch for example um, Coraline. Coraline's Fucking terrifying, really <laughs> scary. Like it's a, a proper disturbing, uncanny it's valley movie.
1: vibes. It's yeah. very just, <laughs>
2: yeah. And you can watch, you can see things, and it be like, even if you see a trailer for something, eventually you don't find particularly scary mm. at that time and point in time. Like, um, I think one of the ones that I can think of is Lights Out. That um, really kind of basic horror movie when it was made into a, a kind of ninety-minute feature, but when it was a mm. short movie it was really good, and um, it's, yeah, I, I just find that it, it's it's quite a it's a difficult one to answer because it's all personal mm. not difficult to answer, but difficult to no, get I know what you a, mean. a, a yeah, general answer for, but yeah, I think personal criteria if I struggle to sleep at night, then it's done the job for me, and that's kind of
1: Brilliant, no, I like that, and like, that kind of links in as well what you are saying, that, you know, everyone's scared by different things. Like, you know, what can scare one person mm. might not scare another. So that, like, links into another one question, which I, I'm always interested to hear other people's perspectives on. But it's, like, funny, when I started this series, like, I used to think that this type of opinion was just, like, a terminally online Twitter opinion. Someone just mm. kind of shouting into the ether and just wanting to get attention. But I've realized that there actually is, like, out in the world people who kind of do have this type of thought process but it's like you'll see someone say you know insert film name wasn't a good horror film because it did not scare me and i want to know what you think about that do you think that like a horror film actually has to be scary to be quote considered good or effective
2: um not in the slightest um Mm. i watched a movie yesterday called speak no evil
1: Oh, that's uh, it's on my list now. I'm hearing everyone <laughs> yeah. fucking talk about it and everyone saying that I need to have a bath or a shower afterwards. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if this is
2: good. <laughs> it's a one hour and 40 minute movie where nothing happens for an hour and 30. And then the last 10 minutes are... Oh, stay with me. But it wasn't scary. But it was horrific. It, and it was... Um, Effective uh, horror can be effective. It doesn't need to be scary. Like I can sit and watch its chapter one and two, which I love. Anything King, a massive King fan, and I can see they're really well-made horror movies, and they're entertaining. But they're still a horror movie. It doesn't necessarily scare me. There certain elements of the, the original TV um, movie that scared me, but maybe not so much the um, the two features that were released recently. Um, if if you if you boil everything down to just being scared, then I would be more scared by watching something like Fahrenheit 9-11 by Michael Moore, or which I've recently re-watched and Bowling for Columbine by Michael Moore, where it's all about, especially watching it in this day and age where it's 20 years after the fact and people are still having the same arguments after a school shooting in 1999. That's more scary. That's more terrifying. But horror is an entertainment whether whatever way you take it it's still a form of entertainment a form of art something that's real life is is certainly a lot more um fear inducing for me and 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 if people want to and as you're saying there is a a definite rhetoric almost kind of a gatekeeper level to it where i've got to be scared i think there's a level of People want jump scares, and that's fine. There's no issue with having jump scares. I love a, a good conjuring movie if it gets a wee bit of, like, turn the corner, there's a ghost. That's fine. That's good. But to to kind of centralise it and um, dilute it down to just being able to be scared by horror, and I think it's quite reductive and wrong. I say wrong when I'm trying to make it. A... Wrong is the wrong word. <laughs> no i um, know
1: exactly what you mean yeah. like as you said it is reductive it kind of mm-hmm. limits it and like if as you say if you like if that like kind of hard line in the sand criteria is it needs to be like scary to me to be considered good well then that like is basically deleting so many like you know t- different films mm-hmm. that are also horror films like if you know if the horror genre is the buffet And, like, you know, you're only interested in something that's going to only scare you. That's only, like, a very small section, and you're kind of saying the rest of the films aren't good because they don't do the same thing. And it's like, that's just boring.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, I watched The Exorcist, and it's a great movie, but it doesn't scare me. Mm -hmm. because It's slightly dated, but it's it's never kind of worried me at all in terms of scaring. The Shining is fantastic. Unsettling, but not scary. Something like um, Funny Games. Funny Games is a horror movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Have you yep. ever seen funny Funny Games? I've heard of it. I'm not sure it's, if I've
1: actually seen it.
2: It's fucking grim, but <laughs> it's it's a horror movie, but it's not scary.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And yep. the Pudge. Then you go the Pudge. The Pudge is a horror movie, but it's entertaining. Yeah, it's different different levels of it, it's what you think is horrific. It doesn't matter whether you get scared by it or not. Uh, I just think yeah, it can be quite um, the horror community can be really open and really closed all at once. <laughs>
1: Mm, that oh, that, like that sums it up so perfectly. Like, it's so interesting. Like, uh, like on one side, it's almost like a yin and yang situation. Like, mm. the horror community has been like one of the most open and receptive and inclusive communities i found, with so many brilliant kind of just interesting people. But then on the flip side, there are also like really kind of blinkers on, mm. narrow minded, almost gatekeepy type attitudes, and it's like. I uh, find it so weird that like these two things almost coexist <laughs> like, yeah. and I'm
2: just like, it is bizarre but um, yeah, but I, I, my opinion in them is kind of like, fuck them, that's their <laughs> opinion like, they, they want to have their narrow minded and, and short sighted opinion that The Conjuring isn't a good movie, Conjuring's a really good movie it's maybe not scary to everyone it's well made, James Wan um, is a good director and he makes certain types of horror movies that don't appeal to everyone. They these are the ones that want if something isn't cannibal holocaust, it's not mm. worth watching. I mean you've seen that with certain um uh like a, a viral kind of video that went, Oh, you need to watch Cannibal Holocaust, that's extreme extreme. You talk to uh Zoiro Smith, she'll show you <laughs> talking extreme movies and a cannibal <laughs> holocaust hasn't even come a touch the surface like like people say, found footage isn't horror. Found footage is horror. Found footage is genuinely one of the things that scares me most because it's really weird and uncanny and and uh, real. Um, especially the kind of earlier efforts with paranormal activity. It, 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 the level of gatekeeping, this yeah, I, I can kind of ignore it, but then I get really annoyed by it at the same time. And that's
1: just yeah, it's <laughs> it's hard not to get like sucked into it, mm. like you know, in like you know, wanting to kind of like call people out on their bullshit and stuff like that um, and like you know at the end of the day people are entitled to their opinions mm-hmm. even if their opinions are dog shit and wrong yeah, right like out. they're entitled to them but um, but yeah it's like I think that gatekeeping this it also like I this is one of the questions that I ask as well for, because I'm always interested in what other people think but you mm-hmm. know there is this type of like subset of horror fan who has this attitude of they don't make good horror movies anymore and mm-hmm. like just you know but i think it come definitely comes from this like nostalgia boners like kind of place that they're yeah. just like if it's not an 80s horror movie it isn't good yeah. and i i just don't understand that mindset i find it so limiting and it's just yes i could understand to a point studio horror might be a bit like repetitive and not like that you're not getting many new things in big studio horrors, but independent horror is doing so many fascinating things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like So yeah, I just want to know what you think. Where do you think that kind of attitude stems from? That whole kind of like, there isn't good horror these days.
2: It's again kind of similar to what we just discussed. It's snobbery. Mm. It's this weird thing where if something isn't Leatherface or isn't um The Exorcist or isn't Freddy and Things like that. People just don't want to accept new iterations of anything. Like, um, studio horror can be hit or miss, but I think, genuinely, especially people like James Wan and Lee Winnell mm. and Bloomhouse, Bloomhouse is still a studio, no matter how much the yep. budget is, still a studio horror movie. Yeah. Still doing good things with it. Like, you got the Invisible Man remake, which was fantastic. Mm. you got got um, Upgrade, is again Lee Winnell. Um, which is more the, kind of the sci-fi aspect of it. Um, possessor from Brandon Cronenberg. I don't know mm. if that was a uh, studio or independent, but certainly interesting. Um, and then one of my favourites of the past couple of years, Malignant. Now, yep. James, Wan, James Wan has made Warner Brothers lots of money. Mm-hmm. And he had made them a ton of money before they gave him Aquaman. Yeah, When they gave him Aquaman, and he made a billion dollars. So he basically turned around and said, right, well, I want to make Malignant. And if he didn't do the studio side of that, then he wouldn't have got to make Malignant. And I think yeah. I fucking love Malignant. I think it's absolute mm-hmm, yeah. shit. Like, nonsense. Whether it's a good movie or not, I don't know. But <laughs> it is utterly bad shit. Set in Seattle with a jowl background and jality and whatever, without giving anything yeah. away. But with the studio side of that, if he hadn't been a studio man, he wouldn't have got to make that level of horror yep. movie. He wouldn't have got to see that. And, and Malignant's been very hard miss. Like, us guys like um, Mike for the Evolution of Horror, was not a big fan of it. Um, but then mm. other people like, um, I, don't, I don't know, Commode's kind of take on it because he's a big horror man. But there's there's generally like a, a, a passion for that level of. A studio horror that mm. maybe you wouldn't have got them like if Malignant Hand came out. There be maybe a, I can understand when you're looking at things like the Annabelle franchise and the Conjuring franchise. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I liked the first Conjuring movie. I thought it was fantastic. Really good ghost story. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I liked Annabelle creation. Um... And actually, initially the first time I watched Annabelle Comes Home, I really liked because it felt a bit like a kind of goosebumps style movie. Mm. I watched it again, and it was really boring. Um, and then you've also got the countless paranormal activities. You get the mm. countless tedious style of things. But as you're saying, there's been great um, indie horror like um, like Speak No Evil, which we spoke about earlier on. I watched one um, glorified recently, um, which is a kind of um, What's his name? What's his face? Uh, it's... i uh, think taking a blank. Um, J. Jonah Jameson for Spider-Man. <laughs> Wait, oh, uh, do
1: you mean um, is it Glorious? Is that the Glory Hole one? think Yeah, the just, Glory oh, Hole one. Gl- yeah, Glorious.
2: <laughs> what did I say? I brilliant, say glorious. I love that. It was brilliant though, wasn't it? <laughs> it was like, so it was good. fantastic. Completely
1: not what I was expecting either. Lovecraft so,
2: uh, Lovecraft style horror. Like We had that colour mm. out of space. We've had Mandy. Yeah, yeah. If you're willing to open your eyes up to things, then there is plenty there for you to see. Um, yeah. If you're willing, if you're not willing to accept that, if you just want to see, I like Freddie, Jason, Michael cutting things up as much as the next guy. Like, but yeah. if you don't, if, if that's all you want to see, then there's plenty of them as well. <laughs> like, there is a 2018 Halloween which I really love. There's Halloween yeah. kills which is absolute dog shit. There was <laughs> um, a. a I mean, I think there's issues with uh, the rights to Jason and Freddy now that are stopping any sort mm, of yeah. uh, remakes get made with that, but keep Michael Bay's hands off it anyway, so <laughs> that's fine. But even then, <laughs> like the, the, the Friday the 13th remake, which I think told the first movie in the opening credits, mm. I didn't actually mind the Friday the 13th movie. I didn't think the remake, it wasn't terrible. I'm not a massive fan of the originals. I think they're kind of bland rip-offs of what it came before.
1: Yeah. They're kind of cookie cutter. It's almost really? like film is almost the same. Like, exactly. they're, Like they're, they do what they do. They're like, you know, and, but it's exactly. like, I think as well, like, one of the reasons, like, it is this element of nostalgia. And like, when it comes, you know, when it comes to like being horror fans, like, hmm. the thing is, every horror fan can pinpoint when they fell in love with horror. Like, you know, we can all say this is when my eyes opened up and I realized what horror can do. And we all have that moment. But the thing is, like a lot of these people, that moment came in the 80s during that big slasher boom when they were all like that. So, of course, now the films are not doing that. It's like a change that they don't want to go along with. Yeah. And also any types of reimaginings of those characters is also threatening their nostalgic memories. And mm-hmm. so I can understand like the fear of that change. But it's also, you know, if, you don't, if you're not going along with the change, it's going to be boring. And speaking of change, I like that you mentioned um, it's not one of the questions I prepared. But because he brought up malignant, it's something that I'm thinking of been thinking of lately I was like I adore Malignant I loved it it's like the perfect like camp horror that is just my jam and then this year I saw Orphan First Kill which is just as brilliant and like if the way I like to say it if you're a fan of Malignant you'll be a fan of Orphan First Kill because it leans into camp beautifully Hmm. but I've noticed like with a film like Malignant with Orphan First Kill like being like you know big enough studio pictures like um it feels like post-pandemic camp horror is gonna be what we're getting a lot more of like I don't know like maybe it's a reaction to the bleakness of the last three (laughs) years and we just like people want to just have fun with horror again and I want to know because like and even if you think, like, the last decade of horror, we had, like, the deck which, you know, there's been amazing films, but we had the decade of the quote-unquote elevated, which I hate that term, but, yeah. you know, the Ari Asters and then even Jordan Peele's movies and loads of really interesting, <laughs> bleak horror films <laughs> that you don't have fun with. They're just bleak <laughs> and... It feels like post-pandemic we're leaning more into, no, no, we're going to have fun with horror again. And I want to know what you think about that. Do you think that that might be the direction things are going or will it still stay this kind of balance? We're going to get a bit of everything.
2: Um, I think we're going to get a bit of everything, to be honest. Um, mm. I think maybe the major studios, will they want to sell. yeah, So they want something that's a bit more palatable and people have been so down for so many years now and like it's it's hard going and I can understand yeah. it like I, I, I totally get it um I everyone mean, everyone's went through the same thing which is a strange mm. a strange feeling maybe with different levels of lockdown in different countries but I think we'll get a mix I think there is still still an appetite for um nihilism. Mm. Um. But it's maybe lessened a wee bit. Like you wouldn't get. Well, let me try and think. I, this is going back a wee bit. You wouldn't get things like Hostel and everything coming out just now. I don't think. Which mm. is for me is fine because I. I think um, <laughs> Eli Roth's a hack. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but again, people like that, so that's fine. Um, I don't think you would get things to that level in the mainstream at the minute. Which mm. was obviously kind of um, uh, started off by the kind of the, the original saw, but I still think there is a like a, it's, it's really difficult to explain. Like, I think there will maybe be a bit more of the underground, a bit more of the the individual and um, uh, independent. We'll maybe still go for that mm. um, nihilism, that um, masochism style of horror, yeah. Um, but your mainstream might go a bit more fun. Like as much as I didn't like Halloween Kills, a lot of people still seem to quite like it. A lot horror community liked it, and it was just daft. Like, it was yeah. Like
1: I'm one of those that I just had. I just thought as a dumb, daft film, and I was just like, I just like seeing Michael being ridiculously brutal. Yeah, like, that's like, fine. like, but also as well. In a way, I can understand why people who might be fans of the Halloween franchise weren't that much a fan mm. of Halloween Kills because in a many ways it didn't feel like Michael Myers. Like yeah. Michael in other Halloween films wasn't as viscerally brutal <laughs> as he was in Kills, so it felt like a different character. It was but, Jason. Yeah, basically, it was, it was Jason, Jason. And was Jason. I can like so if you're looking for <laughs> dumb interesting kills then halloween kills does that for you it serves it up on a platter but uh if you're actually looking for a story that makes sense it's not (laughs) the film for you because it definitely doesn't
2: do you like (laughs) to watch jamie lee curtis in a bed for an hour and 45 minutes (laughs) come and watch halloween kills brilliant there we go (laughs) uh,
1: that's basically the original halloween 2 as well so i do i do think it's kind of hilarious that they're just like Okay, we're gonna make another three Halloween movie like films. We're just gonna do it the same, except we're not gonna redo season of the witch. We're actually gonna have Michael for the third Halloween Aye. this time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> season of the witch, which I rewatched recently and is still fucking great. Oh, I love it. So stupid. It's all ridiculous. It's <laughs> just... talking about a <laughs> dumb fun horror, right? Do like you know a funny story? That was the first Halloween movie I ever watched. So, oh wow, I was in, yeah. So when I was really young, like mm. 11, 12. I was at my grandparents. And staying up late as you're not meant to do, and watching, and I seen the TV guide out Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Oh, fucking brilliant! And I knew of <laughs> Michael Myers. Like, right. Everyone, even no matter what age you are, you know of Michael. Yeah. Like, especially in our kind of generation, and I was sitting up going, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is awful." <laughs> this is Goosebumps. I've I've watched this in Goosebumps before, like, but. Now going back on it, I think it's one of those movies that is kind of um, appreciated in value.
1: Yeah, it's definitely yeah. taken on a new kind of fan base, like almost mm. like a cult following in a way. Mm. And like
2: the thing that's is, a goosebumps. Yeah, it's a goosebumps movie. Basically, yeah.
1: Like one hundred percent. I think that's a perfect way of looking at. <laughs> but like, that's like one of those films where I just really wish that. John Carpenter could have got to do what he wanted which was essentially to make Halloween an anthology series to do a different Halloween story set around Halloween every year or Mm. you know every few years or something like that rather than it being turned into the Michael Myers and Laurie Strode story like
0: Mm.
1: Halloween the first film perfect it didn't need to have any follow-up it could have just ended there and then you could have had another Halloween film like Season of the Witch or something like that and I think it would have been really cool and interesting, yeah. Well, that's not the way things went, unfortunately.
2: We're, we've been stuck with Michael, but <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I love I like I don't. The thing is, <laughs> like I love the original. I like the second. Yep. Now I've got an appreciation for the third. Anything after that, up until twenty eighteen, I don't really care for. See the 2018 one, I love. I mm. genuinely think it's the second best Michael Myers movie. Like um yep. and again, not everyone thinks that. A lot of people get affection for two and four. Five and six are just <laughs> <laughs> and there's some weird kind of affection for the Rob Zombie ones. And again, speaking of Eli Roth, Rob Zombie I also find a bit of hack. Mm, and yeah. I find nothing redeeming about any of his filmmaking, his style or anything, and he's his nastiness. Um H2O is just a ninety slasher. Um Resurrection is just utter dog shit. Like I are talking the worst out of all of them, worse than six, worse than five, everything. Resurrection just props everything up and it's really creaking. Like, <laughs> like...
1: Which, which is the one that has Buster rhymes again? Resurrection. That... Okay. That was my first Halloween film. Like before and so like it's weird, like, because that's my very first Halloween film, so I kinda like i don't have like as much of like that weird <laughs> hatred as everyone else because like that was my strange first affection yeah it's like kind of this weird like i don't know maybe i'm a glutton for punishment or something like that but it's just like it has like a strange there's a strange fondness for it because like this mm. was my first introduction to michael myers but Aye. when you look at it, the other ones you're like oh that was a terrible introduction.
2: <laughs> happy halloween motherfucker as he says <laughs> as he boots him through a flaming door <laughs> Well, Brilliant. Tanya Banks is already know? dead, I think, and <laughs> oh. uh, it's a reality TV show, and oh, uh, <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> and- oh, Jamie Lee Curtis in the five first five minutes. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a thing it's, that's for it's sure. Bad. But what but what I liked about 2018 one, and we're going on about gatekeeping, and I think there might have been actually a um I'm going to be gatekeeping earlier on. I think there <laughs> maybe be a bit of a reaction to it in the 2018 one when they took out the whole sister thing. And Carpenter basically said when he made Halloween Two, he went, "I needed something else. Like (laughs) I didn't want to make this movie, but they're making me." Yeah. (laughs) And what I loved about Twenty Eighteen One was they took that out and it made Mm. it about a woman who was go basically PTSD. Yeah. Um, Michael doesn't care about her. Yeah. He does not give a shit about her. Like these are Michael movies, not Laurie movies, because he does not have any interest in her. And kills is flawed. Kills, for me, was bad. Like, it was the whole evil dies tonight thing, and <laughs> it was too... Like, the opening scene, I thought was great. Yep. Breaks out, kills the famine, things like that, but after that, it just went downhill. They've at least tried to take it away from I'm coming after my family, and I'm also a ghost, or whatever the fuck it was, <laughs> in number six. Like... Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's one of those bizarre franchises and like just like i'm very much enjoying following mike Munzer along on the patreon as he watches them for like watches all these films um but yeah no, it's just like kind of circling back to the you know just maybe it's the gatekeepingness and the way kind of like people have their attitudes around horror films and what you know did what you should watch, what you shouldn't watch stuff like mm. that this is like something that I think every horror fan kind of almost has this kind of question they kind of go back and forth on it and I never know where to plant my flag but mm-hmm. for yourself I want to know how you feel about censorship like do you think that there are lines that you know can't be crossed when it comes to what's represented or portrayed or do you kind of more land on the side of art is art and you know we shouldn't dictate what art can be or do
2: um, it's it's <clears throat> it depends on what line you want to take it. Like, mm. do you want to take it down a, a a mainstream line, or do you want to take it down just a general line? Like, are you talking indie films? Are you talking the kind of in between films where it's Netflix? Or are you talking about mainstream? Mm. You're going to get people like you'll get hotels like Von Trier will make something mm. um, really controversial. Which isn't going to get massive wide release in a cine world. <laughs> I don't want, I don't think anyone would be too palatable to that either. No one, mm. is, they'll maybe see something like, um, and I can't remember when Antichrist was released, maybe 2008, and I don't know how wide the release was, mm. but if Antichrist was marketed as a mainstream horror movie and people went in and watched that, maybe that's a point where you can think about not censorship, but. Um, Better advertising, maybe a bit. But that's me being theoretical. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't think there should be anything. I, like, I think getting into it, it's really difficult because, again, when I was talking earlier about documentaries, mm. if you, you're making a documentary about September 11th, you want to show it because yeah. it's horrific. You won't want people. You don't want to censor people from seeing the brutality and, the, and the, mm. the, the the horror of that day. You also have again Michael Moore, and I keep coming back to him randomly for some reason today. <laughs> but he's my favourite documentary, and I think he's one of the he's the best around. Mm. Um, making Columbine, and he's shown images for the CCTV of Columbine and people getting shot. That, that's should people be kind of mollycoddled for that, should they be babied? No, you get your yeah. chance to watch it, if you don't watch it, don't watch it and I'm very similar to I feel kind of the same in terms of horror movies, like I think they have a purpose and a what's the um, what's the word I'm looking for where it's up to them to do it, so you can edit this out Um uh, <laughs> Like Their intention, or uh, not, um, uh, but it, it should be up to them to do it. So I should do this because it's my vision. I kind of, I'm taking a total blank. Uh, my it's up to me to do it, it's my responsibility. Mm. Yeah, so, I'll start again. <laughs> so, so, I think there's a <laughs> there's a responsibility in horror in terms of pushing boundaries and pushing mm. censorship. Mm. Um, because no matter the subject matter, we always want to be able to maybe maybe not feel grim or maybe not feel grotesque, but feel challenged. Mm.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's... a. Good point, and I like how kind of you preface, like you know, about like it comes back to the way things are marketed and stuff like that. You know, like I think that's like a really good argument for, like, which is something that I strongly believe is that I think we should have proper like trigger warnings before Hmm. like films and stuff like that. So I don't think it's the case that anyone should say you are not allowed to make this film. But I do think there should be warnings put up in front, like, you know, blank black title cards with white lettering that literally says, you know, trigger content warning. This film contains X, Y, you know, lists what it's going to depict. And therefore, it's up to the viewer to make that decision if they wish to engage with it or not. Mm -hmm. Because I like because I think like it feels very like almost like babying, well, and like you said, molly coddling. If it's mm-hmm. like this case of like, there's like this governmental state body or something like that is like literally making a decision of, we don't think anyone should be allowed to watch this. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, you're making a decision as to what adults are able to engage with. Like yeah. I can understand making a decision of applying a rating and saying, this film is too mature for someone who's 14. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But saying an adult who's able to make decisions and vote and do all the other things adults do isn't allowed to watch this movie because it's too problematic. And it's like, how can you dictate that? Like, mm-hmm. that's where I'd kind of draw the line. And, like, one of one of the other things when it comes to censorship is, like, if you allow censorship in some sense, then it opens up, like, a pro, you know a very dangerous, almost, like, slippery slope in a way. Because if you say you know we're going to censor this film that ends up like going up escalating to what's happening in parts of america where books are being banned or mm-hmm. they bring in laws that say you're not allowed to say the word gay that's censorship yeah. you know which is fascism so yeah i kind of think at the end of the day we need to kind of take a hard line and say yeah there are some things that i personally don't want to see that doesn't mean it shouldn't be in the world I, yeah but like, that tends to be my approach, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've watched the... I mean, the States is a really weird one <laughs> um, because they have... The the only thing that stops anyone from seeing a movie is NC-17. Mm-hmm. Our rating, you can be whatever age. If you are an adult, you can go in. But mm. in the UK, you have 12, 15, 18. But I also think it's nonsense because like, a 15-year-old can't see an 18. They've yeah. seen worse on Sky News in terms of bombings and mm. all sorts. Um and there's a there's a weird thing though now with we're in a, a strange period when this is getting recorded. Like yeah. um in terms of the UK and there's a lot of I want to be, I want to be I want to be delicate and um, <laughs> quite uh, soft-footed here. The people who, during lockdown, were talking about free speech, and we're talking about anti-vaccinations, mm-hmm. and we're talking about why we can't do this, that, and the next thing during lockdown, and why it's a, a, a an infringement on our human rights. Mm-hmm. Are now the same ones that, for the past week to ten days, have been talking about? You can't say that. That's not right. That's it's the same slabs yep. of ham, but just in a different form.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's the worry you need to get around. You need to get a up away from changing your views dependent on your opinion. Because if your opinion of free speech and and free in art is a, a form of free speech mm-hmm. and cinema as a form of art, then you can't just change it because it doesn't suit what you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, we watched I watched them um, for a thing, uh, um, an episode I had with Zoe, Rose Smith, um, *Nymphomaniac*. Mm. *Nymphomaniac* has full blown sex in the whole movie. Yep, like and it's porn, but there's an there's, it's not porn. Sorry, that's 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 wrong. It's a fine line between porn and art, and it sits on the line. It doesn't cross either side. Yeah. <laughs> but people get this. There, there would have been, I can imagine when that would have came out, there would have been people twisting their necks around to say that's porn, people twisting their necks around to say that's art. You need to have, if you're going to have one form of opinion, you should at least be consistent in your mm. inconsistencies.
1: Oh, yes. I'm just loving everything you're saying there. I'm just nodding lot along. <laughs> fantastic but you're making so many great points but just like on like a brief tangent there like that's something that annoys me so much that people will have like they'll try and make a distinction that oh this isn't good because it's porn this is good because it's art and I'm just like it's human sex and sexuality why does it have to be one good one bad it's all the same yes you know, there are certain elements of the pornographic industry that as someone who watches porn, I kind of find a bit distasteful. And I'm just like, that type of stuff shouldn't like probably be made Mm -hmm. because it's just, you know, it feels like the people in it aren't enjoying it or stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But that doesn't mean the entire idea of porn should be kicked out the window or that all porn is bad or not worthy of artistic merit. Like, -hmm. you know, and in the same, like, (laughs) it's actually that links into another. um, There's so many actually threads i can go in directions <laughs> because of everything you said and i'm just like the brain is like which way will i go and um, actually this yeah this links into another one which i think is like it's something i've noticed and like i never know like have i only noticed this because like i'm just like an incredibly slutty person so of course i notice it <laughs> or if it's genuinely happening i don't know but it feels like across the board a lot of our kind of like media and Like, films and shows and stuff like that, over the last number of years, have become, like, very kind of, like, sanitized and very kind of, like, desexualized. And even when it comes to the case that we do have, like, sex depicted on screen, it feels, like, removed of sexuality, like, not sexy in some way. Like, it's just there. And, like... I know in the past horror has always been the one genre that's been like putting up a middle finger to what the mainstream is doing. And it's kind of like, no, we're going to reject that. We're doing what we want to, but it feels like, well, at least at the studio level, maybe, but it feels like that type of sanitization is also trickling down into horror and what's being put out there. And maybe it comes back to what you're saying about what's palatable and stuff like that. But I want to mm-hmm. know what you think. Do you think that there is this type of desanitization occurring uh-huh.
2: Um, Again, I think it comes down to what your personal view on sanitization is. Mm. You watch Ryan Murphy's uh, American Horror Story. Mm. There's a lot of sex in that. There's a lot of sexualization. There's a lot of sexual violence quite a bit in the American Mm. Horror Story uh, TV series. And I I liked them early on. I've not watched one for a, a good couple of years. I just thought they became too...
1: To Ryan Murphy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like, they became too trying to be controversial without being that controversial. Mm. Like, they became, I'm going to do this because people will talk about it, and then no one spoke about it. (laughs) (laughs) Because we've all seen it in horror. No one cared. Um, I think in terms, again, going back to the the kind of Studio horror, there's definitely a sense of desexualization. Um it's but it's believing believing scene. Like even the recent scream and that used to be the nineties horror and the slashers yeah. was all about you have sex, you get killed. I don't even think that happens in the recent scream, which I love. That, again I'm a oh, I thought, fan of it I
1: thought it was like what a way to kick off 2022 like that was the first horror film I saw and I was just mm. loved it and like yeah I just and again that's another divisive one like there's so many like you know films that are coming out that mm. and like maybe it's a like I don't know like I think like is it a good thing if a film, like, isn't completely widely loved, if it has different takeaways from it? Like, I want like, I'm always interested to know, like, what, like, the creators, like, the filmmakers think, because, like, I wonder, like, if a film is completely, everyone's like, yeah, that's Aces, then does it mean that you did anything interesting? Like, in the sense that, yeah. you know, in case anyone hasn't seen Five Cream, <laughs> Scream number five, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a certain... Character death, which is, I think, is what has driven a lot of the people that said I didn't like this movie because of this yeah. death. They and had to they that's had what to. I mean. They had to do something different. But if they hadn't of, and if they had just went what you know people would have wanted, then I don't think the film wouldn't have been as would have been as successful, and we probably wouldn't be getting Scream Six next year.
2: There was a backlash about it again because of, and I can't remember the character's name. It was the sister, the yeah. brother and sister. There was a lot of backlash about her. And, and, and they also mentioned it was, a, was a, a Brian Johnson's Scream 8 and things like that. They were talking mm. about Stab 8 or something. Yeah. Obviously, Star Wars fans. Anyone with a bit of common sense knows that The Last Jedi is the third or maybe fourth best Star Wars movie ever. Yes. Made. Possibly behind truth. Rogue One. <laughs> it's between mm, it's Empire, very, the first Rogue One. But. There's a, a weird section, and but didn't like it because it had women in it. Um, and that's—I mean, I'm not one to um, make assumptions, but it's probably because they're virgins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> feel free to edit that out. <laughs> um, so, the, yeah, the, the, there's a there's a weird thing, but in terms of the sanitisation, like potentially there is, but I don't think it. I don't think it's to the detriment of horror. I think there's a certain... I think horror's been quite... and You'll be able to speak more about this than I would be able to in terms of queer representation, mm. in terms of sexualisation. I, obviously, i am a privileged white man. <laughs> like, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> but in terms of what... Horror has actually done for the queer community, and I think everything seems to be more on a positive note, yeah. But again, that's not for me to say, but it certainly seems as if they're making more strides than the Marvel movies have a, a kiss between two women for 30 mm. seconds, or, or Buzz the Lightyear movie, which got banned in China for a three second kiss in a yeah. cartoon. Like, I think talking about de- like um, desexualisation is really strange because you can look back at the 70s and it was Last House on the Left where it was about rape mm. and then you can come up to the 2020s and you have rape revenge still but it's maybe not as graphic as w- Wes Craven made yeah, in the 70s Yeah, I think generally horror is open and is certainly more Willing to, willing accept sex as a a natural thing, which everyone obviously should, but is also possibly again, I can't speak, but possibly a front runner in terms of queer representation in terms of Mm. gay representation has been a lot more forward thinking in that than certainly any other movie franchise I can think of. One hundred percent,
1: and definitely like, um, like I'm still waiting for you know because I feel like even with the queer representation we're getting in horror films these days, mm-hmm. like we're not getting villains or problematic characters. I'm just like, you know, it's it's only kind of like nice people and cookie cutter versions. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, no, I want to see realistic, I, I want to see queer villains that are like openly queer rather than queer coded like back in the Hayes Code era. I want to see actual screaming queers that are villains on screen um, and okay. but like we, so i think we are going to get there and there it's happening in indie films the fantastic death drop gorgeous which i just sing the praises of every time because i think it's just brilliant and um, but it's very much a small budget indie film but to your point yes i do think the horror genre as a whole is making more strides in doing things and challenging what people are expecting to see and it's good to see that and i think mm-hmm. Like, it can only get better as there's more different people that are making films. Like, take from last year, for example, uh, I think it was last year, but Freaky. Like, you know, you get a fantastic film like that when you actually have queer people making the fucking film. Mm -hmm. So that's why the queer representation is really good. And then, in general, across the board, things will just get better like naya Dacosta's candy man like everything if we mm-hmm. just give people the power to tell their stories it makes it more interesting yeah. and 100
2: do, do you think there's maybe a the question to you do you think there's maybe a fear in terms of putting in terms of whether it be independent or big budget in terms of making a queer character the villain do you think there's a fear in that because it maybe puts back, represent- they feel that it puts back, it doesn't put back representation, but they feel like it might. And instead of having that, they should have the bravery to push forward with.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. I think there is that element of like, and like, like I think it depends on who you're speaking to as well. Like mm-hmm. I think within queer circles, there are definitely very much people who would fall under what I like to classify as people who want to assimilate as in very much like they want to be accepted as nice and clean and not Mm. problematic and not slutty and all the like they want to like basically do away with all of the negative stereotypes quote unquote because there's no such thing and but the things that are viewed as the problematic queers there are you know the ones who like mess with gender representation trans people all these things mm-hmm. there are certain people who think those should there are certain queer people who think that that type of person shouldn't be seen should be quiet should go away so that mm-hmm. the only queer representation we get should basically be white should basically be you could, yeah you essentially yeah you could imagine that it's a straight couple rather than a gay couple, like that type of assimilation. (laughs) Whereas what I want to see is, you know, complete like, you know, queer restructuring of society, like fuck it all up and make it new and more interesting. So yes, I definitely think that a lot of the people who are potentially in positions of power and making queer stories possibly fall under that this is what's safer type thing. And they don't want to, potentially push boundaries yeah. and again it comes back to the fact that unfortunately as much as like films and the horror movies we love are art, at the end of the day it's movie making, it's a business it's so a you know if like like I stories don't... that are going to push boundaries too much might not be profitable so won't be made and that's a bit of a shame mm-hmm. but then when we have films even though it wasn't necessarily queer but like filmmakers like ty west he gave us x earlier this year and now we have pearl and now maxine coming there's (laughs) gonna be three but Uh, the fact that that's a film yeah i love it but that's a film that's very much like this is like again it's putting sex back on the forefront and in a but not in like an objectifying way either like i love how ty west as a filmmaker was very much saw how much of an overlap between horror and porn filmmaking there is. They're both the like mm-hmm. two genres of filmmaking that are very under you know, smaller budgets compared to everything else and they're shit on by society. So I love how he explored that.
2: Mm-hmm. But, love, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. Um we also have um I don't know if you saw I think was it Toronto International Film Festival with uh, the People's Joker?
1: Oh yes, i have been following that, yeah, <laughs> that news. But that's that's slightly.
2: someone trying to make mm. the kind of again. If you disagree, that is that is fine. But that's someone that's trying to make inroads. it's trying to make a bit of queer representation on a mainstream cinema. Yeah, and it's been classed as parody, so technically it shouldn't actually have been banned. But now they've been banned. Yeah. Because it's probably fear. I don't, I, I, I don't well, know.
1: I think, well, again, this is like coming back to who it is that's making those money-making decisions. Like, mm. I th- I personally think that it's basically kind of blatant, you know, queer phobia and probably transphobia because... Because of the cancellation. Yeah, as in right, okay. the people who made those decisions because mm-hmm. if we think about it, like, you know, looking back over the years, how many... Fan-made films of certain big genre, like you know, there's been fan-made films of other comic book characters. Like there was like a fan-made Punisher film. There was a fan-made, I think, Star Wars film. Like there's all these other fan-made films, but they're made by straight white men, so that's yeah. okay. But there was when a sp- you, yeah, there was a
2: fan-made <laughs> Spider-Man film that turned out he was a fucking massive racist, <laughs> and that got cancelled. <laughs> Spider-Man Lotus, uh, oh, have you seen well- that? Have you ever seen that? Have you not known about that? Look up Spider Man Lotus, and the guy turns out he's a homophobe. He's a massive racist, and they had finished it. And some of the CGI, the team that done the CGI is incredible, Mm. and they just scrapped it. Well,
1: that's a good thing then, (laughs) because it's like, of course, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But like, I didn't hear about that. But no, but I think even I saw um, yesterday. A headline that apparently there's like a fan made you know the last of us video game there's a fan made film from France or something like that yeah, which is okay. like being like you know celebrated and it's not being banned so I just part of me like maybe it's just like the like you know <laughs> the angry queer in me but like you know part <laughs> of me thinks that the people's Joker being pulled and cancelled <clears throat> is kind of like it's either it is transphobic or it's a misunderstanding, it's a fear of how people rea- will react mm. to it, which I to me they're kind of almost the same. But, yeah. like, I mean, yeah,
2: I worry about apparently there's a, a representation about Batman being, um, and I don't know if it's either if this is the thing though with queer representation mm. is whether he's um, a gay enabler or a paedophile enabler, and that is something that is mm. some that can be. Is, is misconstrued and is, is maybe um, misthought of. Like It used to be, um, in fact, no, I'm, I'm not going to, it used to be if people were gay, they must be paedophiles and things like that. That was mm-hmm. what a, a general opinion of gay men yeah. was, and it never was that. But you also have then on the plus side, which is maybe a bit harder to come across, is the new Hellraiser. Yeah which has a trans trans actor in it. And it's such a hard balance because we should be able to have people playing characters no matter their sexuality, no matter their gender, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But there's a, again, we talked about earlier, there's a fear.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) And um, like... (laughs) Like, kind of coming hilariously, like, I just like bringing this up, but like, yeah, like, when it comes to representation, we should be able to have whatever type of representation we want once it's not like, you know, like problematic, like, just realistic people. Hmm. So, as in, like, so, when it comes to, like, say, queer characters, characters that just happen to be queer, but it's not the reason that they're on screen. It just happens to be a part of their backstory. Yeah. And, but that's not the reason that the film's been made. Like, that's what I want. Whether they're heroic, villains, doesn't matter. And that's why when I'm bringing in. Circling back to Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills has one of my favorite, like, Big John and Little John. That is perfect <laughs> for representation because they are just hilarious characters. Mm-hmm. And also, they just both get killed by Michael, which to me is a- <laughs> terrifically as well, which to me just shows that Michael Myers is an equal opportunity killer. He doesn't care if you're gay, straight, black, white. He's going to kill you. You're in his way. You're um, in his house. Yeah, exactly. And fuck
2: so, you. So,
1: so in also, some way... Also, again,
2: Scream this year. Scream yeah. this year with... Um, again, I keep seeing the sister. Yeah, she was gay,
1: but exactly. it was never.
2: Oh my God, I'm gay, and I need to try and tell someone. Mm. It was. She was sitting on the couch, and she turned around to the girl sitting next to her, and yep. they started making out or something. Like that. I think it was along those lines and scream. But it was just that was who she was. It didn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Was an acceptance. And an acceptance is the wrong word because we should accept is. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, 100%. But actually, kind of circling back to one of the things that you. No, because I'm (laughs) loving. No, no, don't apologize. I love these. (laughs) Rants are my baby. I love ranting. Um, But also, tangents are my favorite thing. Um, But no, there was just one brief thing that you touched on earlier, which I loved the point you made, and I want to kind of circle back to it. Mm -hmm. But it was that thing about people should be consistent in their opinions. Mm -hmm. I loved that point, and I was just nodding along because it was so perfect and brilliant um but it links back to like another thing that, which is like i think something that a lot of horror fans have to try and tackle but mm-hmm. is the whole art versus artist thing like and right. um, you know can you have separation is it like dependent on the like the person blah 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 like i think like to me it comes back to as you said people should be consistent in their opinions like mm-hmm. so i think some people will be like again they'll be like oh you shouldn't be able to you shouldn't watch this film because this filmmaker is bad but will then possibly excuse another problematic person because they might be a fan of that specific individual so i want to know what you think where do you think on art versus artist do you think like you know it can be done like is it is it black and white or is it more nuanced and gray and it depends
2: I think this is the hardest question you've asked me all night. <laughs> it's, it's, you look at someone like Polanski mm. who had sex with a 13 year old. Now, I don't want him to sue me because it yeah. was a 14 year old. And he made Rosemary's baby one of the kind of earliest. Forms a psychological demonic horror. Mm. Um, like I would never watch the new Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. Okay. And I like the original, and I think I like the first two actually. But knowing that guy's a, a pedophile, like, it,
1: and I, like not just like a convicted pedophile,
2: convicted pedophile, yeah. Yeah. Like... But then you look at someone like John Landis. And John Landis, because mm, oh, of his yeah. his um hubris and um complete lack of care for health and safety, killed a young child. Mm. No one mentions that way anyway. We talk about American Beowulf in London, which is one of our episodes we spoke about recently. Yeah. Um it's a really difficult one, really, genuinely. Um John Landis is <laughs> hmm. It's really, I'm, I'm trying no. to. No, but I'm, I don't. I don't care if what I said is gets me into trouble. It's not. But I'm just trying to think of the the best words to kind of describe it. Someone like Landis basically was the cause of a young child's death. But I would still watch something like American Werewolf in London because it's a classic. I would never watch something like Jeepers Creepers because the director is a, a, a convicted paedophile. Um, I would never watch, genuinely actually, I've seen Rosemary's Baby once and I will never watch it again because I think Polanski's a disgusting individual. And I think the attitude of Hollywood towards him is a fucking mm. disgrace, to be yeah. honest. The the fact that you'll hear people come out and say, oh no, he's a genius. He's not, he's not, he's a fucking kiddie fiddler. There's no back or forth about that. Yeah, And they'll travel to France to work with him. And he so, said, Oh, so how much did you get paid for that? Oh, Six million pounds. Oh, or so that's not colouring your opinion of them. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to make money off of whatever movie I watch, but these p- the people do. I think, uh, was it Johansson, Scarlett Johansson recently? And um, Oh, yeah.
1: And I think hers was like, in, Oh, yeah. She wanted to work with Polanski, but also like Woody Allen as well, another Woody problematic Allen.
2: person. Woody Allen's a paedophile as well. He fucking yeah. married his stepdaughter when he was, when ex- she yeah, was 14 is- or whatever it was. <laughs> So- it's it's such a difficult one, um, and uh, when, you, <laughs> when you when you you sent me the question, I was sitting trying to think about it, and I've still not got the answer for it.
1: Yeah, no, it's, and like I think um, I don't think there can be a black and white stance, and I think no, because it like because it's like. If you're like, as in, but that's like coming back to what that point you made about people should be consistent in their opinions. Like, I think if someone has the opinion that you can't separate art and artists across the board, then Mm. they need to be consistent with that and back that up. So, for example, Mm. if someone's like, you should never engage with, any films made by problematic filmmakers. Like, if that's what their stance is, that's fine. Like, someone can have their own personal Mm -hmm. boundaries and stance, but that needs to be consistent and you need to back it up. So if we're we're taking that stance, take Harvey Weinstein. Completely problematic, terrible piece of shit. But his, like, like his companies that he, like, owned or was executive... (laughs) Like, he was an executive producer or his companies made... Basically, almost every mainstream horror film yeah. from like the 90s and 2000s. So, you'd have to basically go that entire glut of films that came out, the screen franchise, all these films yeah. can never be watched again because, in some level, Harvey Weinstein was involved. And that's where yeah. it becomes tricky. Right. Like
2: Tarantino? Yeah. And like Tarantino and Tarantino's been, which is, this is again, one of my difficult things. I love Tarantino, like, I mm. think, in terms of a, a, a filmmaker. I think he's fantastic. And I think one of his top three was made, was his last movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's a masterpiece. I
0: mm-hmm.
2: absolutely love it. But he's never really seemed to accept the Weinstein stuff. Mm. But someone like Kevin Smith, who was yeah. bankrolled by Weinstein, has then turned around and he's paying out money to like, um, rape charities and things like that. Yeah. Because he's ashamed of it. It's a really difficult thing. I, like, um, I, I could possibly sound like a hypocrite with my, my, uh, my answer because I would watch Tarantino. I wouldn't watch Polanski. I, oh God, that's, that sounds worse because Tarantino's never been... To the level of someone like Polanski, he's he's associated with Weinstein. Yeah, it's getting into a grey area.
1: No, I know, and I, I think it comes back to it like like we said, and I, I you know I think we'll get to the point where it's almost like talking. So, like I don't think there's a concrete answer, mm-hmm. um, and that's it at the end of the day. I think everyone has their own personal boundaries, and those are fine once you're not trying to tell someone what they should or shouldn't do with their own time. Like yeah. You know, as in, I won't watch any of the Jeepers Creepers films because Victor Salva is a piece of shit. And I also don't think those films, like, should be on any stream. I don't think they should be easily accessible. Like, you you know, I think, like, they shouldn't be something that people could easily watch. Like, you know, just that's across the board. That's my personal opinions on it would I possibly maybe side-eye someone who's like a you know big Jeepers Creepers Victor Salva fan? Creeper
2: tattoo yeah, right on his chest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> possibly. And I'd probably be like... like, you know, I probably would be wary and wouldn't spend time with that person, but mm. they're still entitled to do that. That's their opinion. Mm. You know, so like, I think that's really what it is at the end of the day. And for me as well, there's a huge difference between engaging with the piece of art as a piece of art and mm. commercially supporting a problematic individual. And I think that's where like, it's easy to kind of determine where someone's stance is
2: coming from. That's my issue with the Salvo ones, because the new one that's coming out, yep. he apparently is not going to make any money off of. But how many people don't know about the Jeepers Creepers franchise? So yeah. when they see that, they might not even know about his background. So then they go back and they pay £2 on Amazon Prime. Hundred thousand people, a million people, pay two pound on Amazon Prime to rent Jeepers Creepers or Jeepers Creepers Two or Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. The shit, really shit one. In fact, <laughs> Two was shit as well. But like, that's the that this is the that's the issue. Like, it's and again, it would be kind of similar. To, I would never pay money for. I've only ever seen Rosemary's Baby of Polanski and I would never yeah. do it again. And it was my main issue actually with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that I thought it would maybe um um romanticize Polanski because obviously mm-hmm. it was about the it doesn't it does it keeps him out at enough. Um but, but it uh, fairy it gives a fairy tale ending for um God, what's her name? Think a total blank. <laughs> Um, oh, Shanty! Um, Shanty gives a fairy tale in the I think that was this is why I'm a bit more accepting of that because I think that was Tarantino's main aim mm-hmm. was to give the fairy tale because he was in a fairy tale period. It was Django Unchained. It was uh, the fairy tale period. Uh, um, a glorious, glorious bastards! bastards. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he was just in a kind of fairy tale period. That's why I'm willing to give him a wee bit more of a a bit more of a birth, a wide birth than than if it had been Roman was alright. It was yeah. more about Sharon because the whole movie is about Sharon and um Brad Pitt and yeah. Leo's Leo's great in it, but um Brad Pitt's character's kinda he's also a dick in it as well. But <laughs> anyway, but it was mostly it's like the only time you see Sharon Tate in it is she is romanticised and she's Angelic throughout Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Um which is why I give him a wee bit more of a a wee bit more leeway with once upon a time. Yeah,
1: that's like kind of really what it comes back to, I think, linking back to what we were saying with censorship and everything that really is filmmakers' intent. So that can help determine whether you're gonna engage with a film or not. And also what your takeaway from a film is. Like sometimes if you're watching a film, like for me anyway, it's pretty clear when I can tell that even though the imagery on screen is very like shocking or graphic or visceral, I can tell it's coming from a perspective of this person, like has a strong message they want to portray. And this is why they're doing it. Versus that type of almost like edgelord style, (laughs) Yeah. I'm just doing this because I can shock you like, you know, and that's not like that's not saying one is better than the other. It's just, you know, it comes back to mm-hmm. down. To, you can tell when it, what a filmmaker's intentions are. And I'm probably more likely to engage with the type of filmmaker that is aware of the impact of what imagery is on screen and they're telling a point versus this is just here because it can be. You know at the end of the day everyone like engages with films in their own way and mm. nobody can tell someone what someone else should watch I think that's what it comes back to whether it's like censorship and even art versus art like you yeah. know yes I'll probably not want to spend time with people who are very vocal supporters of problematic filmmakers or problematic actors just because I don't want that negative energy in my life but I'm not gonna tell them they can't support them I'm just like yeah you do you but keep that away from me that's my stance but and i think it's like a nice to kind of we're coming up to the almost like hour 20 minute Mm. mark now it's been a nice enjoyable conversation thank you to close us off this is always the like (laughs) last kind of like Uh, question question and a half i like to wrap up with For yourself, like, when it comes to, like, horror films, like, what are your personal, like, comfort horror films? Like, if you've had, like... Or it doesn't even have to be specifically horror, but, like, when if you've had, like, a shit day or a shit week, which films do you turn to? Because you know you'll have a good time with them. And then just as, like, a last kind of closing out one, uh, what are your feelings for the future of horror? Like, do you think we're going to continue getting more progressive and interesting? Or do you feel like we'll be as you said earlier, maybe a swing back to that type of nihilism. Yep.
2: (laughs) I'll start with the comfort one so it gives me time to think about the other one. (laughs) Um, Mm. In terms of comfort movies, for me, anything Stephen King. Um, I can watch all of his love his books. Um I loved the the outsider TV series. It's chapter one and two. I really liked it. I know a lot of people didn't mm. have a lot of time for chapter two. Um but I thought it got the book great, but apart from missing out Matcher and the Turtle, <laughs> which I would have really liked, the weird space turtle that vomited up the world. <laughs> um, you can tell Stephen King was in the coke phase in the 80s during that. <laughs> um, anything by king like 1408 doctor sleep the shining um maybe even mm. yeah, something like 28 days later actually like you kind know, of british horror style <laughs> um danny boyle says it's not a zombie movie danny boyle's talking shit um i'm sure he also mm. says sunshine isn't a version <laughs> of event horizon it is <laughs> Like, like, I like Danny Boyle but come on man Um, if we're going away from horror my ultimate comfort movie is Terminator 2 Uh, it's the best sequel that's ever been made the only one that comes close is Aliens it is a weird mixture of a kind of kids family movie with action it's such a it's such a yeah a divergence from the first terminator movie and it's it's just flawless there's nothing even the better version for me is the um the director's cut which includes more humanity for the terminator and john john connor um Trying to make him learn how to be human, which is never, which is always doomed, which is quite heartbreaking. And it is always doomed to fail, but yeah, he does his best to make this thing his friend essentially. And for me, it is, it's the perfect sequel, it's the perfect movie. And it's the one I would, I mean, I could I watch it, I would still do watch it three or four times a year at least. <laughs> and I love I've, it. And I've had a few cans, I watch like, it a couple yeah, more I times. I love how we all have
1: like. <laughs> Regardless of genre, we all have those certain films that either we're personally nostalgic for it or there's, like, specific reasons, like, maybe, like, attachments to it we have, but we turn to certain films because we just, like... I I love, like, even though it's such an oxymoron Mm. of a statement, comfort horror, but, like, it's, like... It is this thing that it's almost, like, because you've watched the film so many times, you know what to expect. You're going to have a safe time with it. Like, and I think, like, Mm. you know... I know for a lot of people... When it com- came to when we were people were in lockdowns and stuff like that, people turned to the things that they were familiar with because everything <clears throat> else was so fucking unpredictable. It was like I'm gonna rewatch something that I know and love because I know I'm gonna know and love it again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, when you're saying about comfort horror as well, like maybe I could look at something like um, Shaun of the Dead. Like that's fantastic. That's uh, and that is a comedy oh, yeah. horror And that perfectly moves so. Its balance both tones Um, yeah, it's brilliant, and it's it's fucking incredible. Yes. Or um, looking yeah. at the cabin in the woods, like that's a comfort movie. I could sit and watch yeah, that exactly. every day of the yeah, week. Exactly. <laughs> Josh Whedon's a dick, but we'll <laughs> get back into that again. Um, yes, or one I actually watched today. It's um, brilliant. It's one of my favorites. Overson I Eagle.
1: recommend it to everyone because it's just... what a fucking movie. Because like it's so good, it, it is... balances horror uh, and comedy. It's also just... like you know, it it is deliciously beautifully violent, okay. but it also it so subverts <laughs> those kind of like exploitation, you know, expectations of that genre. It's like it's completely b- beautiful portrayal of like. Warm, comforting masculinity rather than anything toxic. It's oh, I just love everything about it. It's just the perfect film. It's, it's so good.
2: Mm. Yeah, Hi. Like it was um, it's Alan Tudyk who was uh. I, I Do I get the characters' names? I can never remember them, but I can't remember yeah. the guy who's his brother. <laughs> but he's so good in it. <laughs> like Alan Tudyk's great, but this guy is also. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just fantastic and it's funny but it's also yeah, really, violent. It, it's a really right nice, it's like it, it's, it's a really wholesome, nice movie like, and it like, shouldn't be but it is and it's just a really nice like actually just movie. like
1: mini little yeah. like, tangent thread but just because like on the topic of like british horror and it's like a british horror that also was very for me reminiscent of tucker and dale but have you seen cannibals and carpet fitters Oh, I watched it on Amazon Prime, like UK Prime. Like Ireland, UK is the same Prime. And so I think it's still there, but I would encourage (laughs) looking it up because to me it was very reminiscent of like the Tucker and Dale vibes. But it's like, again, it's like a film that's like has comments Hmm. on we you know how people have like idea like classist ideas of like cuz like they're both carpet fitters they're like working class and stuff like that so a lot of mainstream films would shit on people like that but they're actually the heroes of this and it's just yeah it's oh it's so funny hmm. it's so good
2: hey.
1: no it's on my list cuz i love musicals have you i seen don't that, know uh, i, I have it's it's scottish as well yep hey.
2: <laughs> scottish music scottish zombie musical <laughs> what else the so internet actually guy um to, to kind of got me into the podcasting game uh chris oh, nice. um does a football based podcast uh, and has uh, he's good or his sister's good friends with the director yeah. i think um and it's really good it's really good fun and it's quite wholesome again as well Apart from, um, can't remember the actor's name But he played Dennis Penis when he was in um, Oh god, he was in Game of Thrones as uh, the, I watched all of Priest. the original
1: I Actually, I never finished season 8 uh, Do you like, watch Game of Thrones? Enough. I, just, I think it was like, I was watching it and uh, Yeah, the last season, I was watching it And then all the discourse started happening <laughs> And I was just season. like <laughs> You know what? <laughs> I'm just gonna allow everything I remember nah, fondly to be fond that. memories. <laughs>
2: Easy. Um, he's he he gets fucking torn apart by a white bear. I, I can't remember his name. He's been on loads, but he plays the. Oh right, he's a massive dick. <laughs> he's like the in betweeners headmaster. The, the um
1: Brilliant. Never, never I'm apologize for talking to dog dogs. Well, well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. But um, oh, there's, I just love all the films you've listed there, and we could easily spend like four, five hours just talking about films we like. Um, but I don't know if there'd be that much interest in that type of podcast episode. Maybe yeah. there is somewhere, but right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to watch? oh I like The Orphanage. Just a what, like what do you like it, to watch? right? Oh, would you like <laughs> to watch? What I like. Just die. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: But as as that kind of last oh, question, you know. then. Um, Wait, noise. What are your feelings for the future of horror? Like, are you hopeful, slightly pessimistic? What, what are your general feelings? Yeah.
2: I'm kind of in between to be honest um, I think there is room for mm-hmm. there's room for um, studio horror, there's room for indie horror it just depends who they want to it depends who they want who the
0: people yes. when it
2: comes down to it, depends who the people that finance it want to give the voice to, like I was mm. surprised watching X this year that Ty West got a big yeah. budget and a big release. It was quite a quite a, a broad release. Exactly. And I'm just it, like which it was made A, a twenty four as a
1: distributor because they were just um, like, no, we like your vision. We're gonna put money behind it. And mm, it worked. Yeah. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. And I'm I am i am not the biggest A twenty four guy. Like I thought the Witch was fine. I thought the Lighthouse was awful. Yeah, both Aster um, ones, so hereditary it and midsummer. Was midsummer. A twenty-four. Hmm. I loved hereditary. Midsummer was okay. Like but but fair enough, but they give them broad scope and they give them broad um release. Yes. And and also having the balls to give him peril on top of that. Like it's it's really dependent. I mean, you also get thirty-five mm-hmm. movies for Netflix in October and two of them will be good. Like, it's... Am I optimistic yeah. or pessimistic? Um in between. Like, it's yeah. the same with everything. Like Yeah, I, I'm a big MCU fan. <laughs> I, I like my superhero movies. I've got plenty of superheroes tattooed on my body. Um, and I'm kind of willing to let whatever, whatever movie maker mm. that is coming on board... Like I would prefer the Russos to make the Kang Dynasty and secret wars, but that's not gonna happen. So I'm willing to take on board whoever is gonna come on that journey and as long as they're able to get some form of their own vision on, then I'm yeah, that Yes, Plus, exactly James speaking Mann of comfort things, like anything Flanagan, give them Flanagan like just
1: because <laughs> of very like because of the fact that he know like he knows and loves Stephen oh, King. God. So everything Flanagan does feels like it's King in a way. So yeah, but in a different... Mm. Right. Yes, I, I, I just don't understand people How who are like, there's too much monologues, but those monologues were like beautiful poetry. How is there anything bad about it? Like, Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, that's another rant we could go on. But right. I think that's, yeah Mm. i think i think that's uh, (laughs) a i think that's spoiler special because i think it's like if you're like anything if you're too hopeful too optimistic you're possibly more likely to have those hopes kind of shit on if you're only pessimistic then yes you could be pleasantly surprised but only being pessimistic sounds a little bit like depressing and boring so yeah being somewhere in the middle where you're just like whatever comes my way i'm open to it yeah Oh, same. I'll
2: be there. <laughs> yeah. So next month I'm going to go and see Halloween ends. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I think it's gonna be shit. Cause yep. I hated kills. Exactly. But I'm still gonna sit and go and see it. It doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm Exactly in and if there's things that are good. And that's great, what I
1: like, like that's, that's why I, I'm, why I'm doing this series. That's them, what I love on. about us as horror fans. We'll turn out and support horror. Whether it's gonna be shit whether it's going to be brilliant and fantastic, it doesn't matter. We're going to turn out and see horror anyway, because that's what horror fans do. And that's like why I love this little community. But yeah, no, that's a nice message of like not full-out optimism, but not pessimism either. A nice in-between, middle-of-the-road way to close things out. So before I let you go, where can people find you on the socials and support your podcast?
2: Yeah. So basically um, what I was saying there was no matter what it means, yep. <laughs> even if your choices are shite, I'll still maybe back you up a wee bit. Um, so <laughs> you can find me on At Nowhere Andy, um, which I mainly use to try and win Funko Pops. I don't use it personally very much um, and maybe some football stuff. Um, nowhere spelt with a K at the start and the podcast Twitter is at where is nowhere, and I also think the Instagram is at where is nowhere. I, I don't run that, that's the other guy. Um, we've just recently released an episode with Petros from Caged In Pod talking about um movies. I can't remember exactly the ones because I didn't do it, so I, uh, <laughs> I edited it and I, I um dealt with it, but I've totally forgot about (laughs) it but um cage and pod um and yeah you find us on there you can
1: amazing well thank you so much for joining me again for this really enjoyable conversation about why horror and to my listeners keep your eyes and ears peeled for future episodes in this series so yeah you can stop the recording there and thank you